Hey there, I'm Becca, just another therapist making a podcast about mental health. I figured that I would tell some stories, share some wisdom, and figure out some of my own stuff along the way. After all, those who can't do, become therapists. Welcome to Becca Stories. Alright y'all, welcome back. And what a week it has been. Goodness. To think I almost forfeited this episode, but the more I thought about it, the more I knew it was very critical to the series. Plus, uh, you know, last week it was Shark Week. So I went ahead and decided to go ahead and do the Shark Week episode, even though I totally missed it. I just went ahead and decided to do it anyways. So I'm going to go ahead and talk about sharks, even though it is not really acceptable or timely now that it's not necessarily Shark Week, but no time is better than the present. So before I get into shark stories... Not to be confused with Becca stories, I really just want to take a second to breathe because being a therapist is super hard work. Maybe it's unrealistic of me to expect this, but has anyone else thought that their therapist was supposed to have it all together all the time? Okay, now that I've posed that question, We're going into the world of Becca stories. Remember that question, though. It will be super important later as I tie everything together in the end like this magical therapist that I am. All right, you ready? We're taking off. So, I've never really been a fish person. Actually, fish kind of sort of disgust me. I will tell you... It's a real irrational fear, fully aware, I'm super insightful, get over it, blah, 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 blah. I wasn't really always like that, but the fear kind of set in when I was in first grade. See, each year the first graders had this scheduled end of the year zoo trip, and it was a really super special event. The kids would dress up in shirts that were decorated in these uh, what we called puffy pens, And parents would take off from work to accompany us on the bus. So on our zoo day, it was pouring rain outside. And I mean, buckets. And I mean, we could have gotten ponchos and stuff like that. But you know the animals weren't really going to go outside. So we had to change the plans last minute. The teachers took us to the IMAX movie theaters to watch a documentary about sharks. So, you know, it tied in with the whole zoo day kind of theme. I don't remember much about the movie, except that there was a man in the cage, and then all of a sudden there was a shark trying to eat the man in the cage. And then the next thing I remember is that the teacher was having us all stand up and leave the theater. So I went home with that image playing in my head and it would not go away. My mom and dad 
put me to bed later that night. And I remember asking them to keep my rope lights on. You remember when all of us had rope lights on our ceiling? Well, I say you remember, but my fiance, a 30-year-old grown man, has rope lights on his ceiling because he is still super cool. Oh yeah, but anyways, I was one of those really cool kids. So mom and dad closed the door to my room and those blue rope lights that I had, it's almost like they projected these sharks swimming on my walls. And they were almost taunting me. I knew that they couldn't come off the walls if my eyes were open, but what would happen if I fell asleep? The thought of being out of control for just a second was absolutely terrifying. So I got up from my bed and I ended up watching the grand adventures of Winnie the Pooh with my dad until I fell asleep. Man, Pooh Bear always made everything better. Fast forward a couple years and I joined the local swim team. Of course, the mascot was the tiger sharks. The competition pool was so big and the deep end was so deep that I swear there were things living in the bottom that I would have never been able to see. Could there have been sharks in the deep end? Well, I did not want to find out. So I avoided that end for literally as long as I could remember until the competition part of swim didn't allow me to avoid it any longer. Then I just swam really stinking fast uh, when I was in the deep end. There was one swim meet that we traveled to and uh, they also had a shark as a mascot. The only difference was that their mascot was painted on the bottom of the pool. Painted shark on the bottom of the friggin' pool. Okay, so imagine a small child that's terrified of sharks swimming in a pool with a terrifying shark painted on the bottom of it. Oh yeah, I was in a friggin' nightmare. My team felt great though, because I had some of the fastest times in my swimming career at that meet. You know, it's amazing what fear will do to you. See, anxiety was a word that I didn't know existed until I went to college. One might think that's impossible. But when you grow up in a family that isn't educated in mental health, it really does make sense. I don't blame my parents for this. They didn't know. And how was I expected for them to learn something that they didn't even know existed? It was really a generational block. My parents were raised in what was called the bootstrap generation. And yes, that is an actual term in counseling theory. The theory is as simple as this. If you're sad, you have the ability to not be sad. If you're worried, you have the ability to not be worried. This may be true to a point, but the bootstrap comes in with the phrase of pull yourself up by your bootstraps and get over it. 
That demeaning phrase makes one with a true chemical imbalance in their brain appear to believe that they are the problem. This leads to hopelessness and eventually thoughts of suicide or actions of self-harm. This is also not communicated well with that generation. The bootstrap generation may look at suicide attempts or self-harm as a cry for attention or looking for drama. This becomes especially true when it occurs in the teenage group. I hear, what do they have to be worried about? Every generation has their own problems, and just because this generation appears different from yours, it doesn't mean that they don't have challenges. Alright, okay, sorry, rant over, back to the story. I really don't want that rant to be over, but I'm gonna make the rant over just for time's sake, because I really don't have time for like a 10-hour podcast, so I really am gonna make that rant over. Lord, I can't control myself. Ooh, Lord Jesus, bear me strength. Okay, rant over. Seriously, back to the story. Okay, because my parents really weren't aware of mental illness, I continued to remain untreated and undiagnosed. I was, however, being treated in a different way for other problems. So during a test when I was in sixth grade, I became so overwhelmed that I almost threw up in class. I raised my hand to ask for permission to go to the bathroom, which, you know, is typical Becca. And the teacher told me to run so I would make it there on time. I got in a stall, but I never threw up. I remember hitting myself on the chest, and this is a habit that went on for years. Whenever I'd feel sick to my stomach, I would resist it so much. Soon enough, the principal came into the bathroom and another teacher asked if I was okay. I remember crying and my mom picking me up, but most of all, I remember nothing happening. I never threw up. I just went home with my mom and climbed into bed. We went to the doctor and he prescribed me with acid reflux medication. I stayed on that medication for a long time. It didn't really do anything except for maybe make me convince myself that it was working. I would get worried when I didn't take the medication, for sure. I mean, I thought that medication was my saving grace. So move forward just a little bit. In eighth grade, I was put on a heart monitor. Surprising twist. I found myself running out of breath and feeling like my heart was beating out of my chest. One who understands anxiety can tell easily that this was a panic attack, especially since it was only happening in certain situations. Since my family was unaware of what anxiety and depression truly was, they didn't know that was what I was experiencing. They did the best that they could with the information that they had at the time. They continued to have me treated by the family doctor. I do often go back to those moments in my head and wonder why the doctor didn't catch on to my symptoms, but really that's beside the point now. I did have friends that struggled with depression and anxiety, but I didn't feel like that was truly my problem. It was a foreign language to me. The idea that you didn't have the ability to get over your emotional problems. 
The only problem was that I truly did not have the ability to get over my problems. It wasn't a choice for me. I was struggling daily to figure out how to manage my emotions. So thankfully, I know now that it's a chemical imbalance in my brain. But back then, I was at a loss. I'll I'll get into the gory details of my middle school and high school experiences and how my mental health affected me and other Becca stories. There's a lot of events that happened and I could go on for a good amount of time about them. So really, if we compare my mental health to the sharks, the idea of becoming invisible comes up. I think it's clear to put out this spoiler. The sharks in all the swimming pools I swam in weren't real. I know, shocker. But for me, it felt so real. Because of the experience that I had when I was in first grade, watching that man get attacked by a shark in a cage, something carried with me. My unconscious brain was firing every time I was in the deep end, or when I had to swim in the pool with a shark painted on the bottom. I thought if a painted shark was going to come alive and eat someone, it was going to happen to me. It was a constant state of fear within my body all the time. This is how I felt about my anxiety and depression. It seems silly now, but I'm sure that some of you that are listening can relate. The things that trigger you may not make sense to your friends or family or peers. That can cause panic and depression within itself. Even the idea that you're not good enough. As a therapist, it's my initial reaction to respond with, everyone's depression is different and you deserve to be validated. Yeah, I mean, that is a good therapist reaction, right? Obviously, sharks aren't my main trigger right now, but (laughs) control is. That's been a big theme that I can tie back to the invisible sharks. In the therapy world, we would call it the window of tolerance. And yes, that's my education therapy voice. It's how we react to a traumatic event that happens in our lives. Inside the window, we are calm, cool, collected, and connected. Outside of the window, we can experience three main reactions. Fight, flight, or freeze. You've heard me say this before, but I'll say it again. Everyone's trauma is different. We all have different experiences that make us grow or make us feel stunted. For me, I've had a lot of those stunted feelings. My anxiety, although I appeared fine to everyone around me, was crippling to me. I felt like I didn't have the ability to focus. I was constantly outside my window, also called dysregulated. The biggest problem for me was that because I could tell no one else thought it was real, It made me feel even more alone and unable to work through the challenges. I would think, why even try? Everyone thinks I'm fine, so I must be making up all of these feelings. I mean, do I even matter? 
My mind was a very dark place as a teenager and a young adult. I tried to figure out ways to cope with this. And the only thing that people seemed to think was wrong with me was my weight. I decided to lose it all and focus on that in my senior year of high school. I lost about 90 pounds and man, people were so proud of me. I'm pretty open about it now, but I don't think people knew that I was addicted to diet pills and that I was starving myself. Um, yeah, that was pretty bad. Um, when it got time for me to go to college, I moved out of Arkadelphia. I went to a town where I didn't know a single soul. I wanted it that way too. I figured that it would give me a clean break. The only problem with that was my weight. Um, now that I was skinny, it's almost like I had a reputation to uphold. No one knew me as a fat kid, so I had to make sure that I stayed skinny. It was a lot of pressure that I put on myself. I stopped eating even more. Uh, my anxiety when I went out to eat was so high. I was fine eating in front of people that I got to know well, but when it came to eating out in front of new people, I would have these huge, huge panic attacks. I just wanted everyone to like me. And when I was younger, I really only felt like I had a few friends until I got skinny. I really desired to have more people in my life. There was this one guy in my degree program that I trusted pretty quickly when I got to college. Um, he was catching on to my eating patterns. I told him that I would go a couple days without eating full meals and he completely freaked out and wanted to tell other people, but I, I begged him not to. I told him that I would fix it on my own because I, I truly thought that I could fix it on my own. A couple days later, I I passed out in one of the buildings on campus after a couple days without eating. Um, everyone around me asked why I passed out and I just told them to call the guy I told about my eating problems because I, I really couldn't even say it. I didn't have the ability to say it, to say I haven't eaten in a couple days. I passed out uh, once before when I was in high school from the diet pills, um, but that was really easy to explain. A doctor had prescribed them to me, um, so I could just say that maybe I was reacting to them weird or something like that. But when I passed out in college, I had to get put in a wheelchair and sent over to the nurse's office, and because of that, my identity changed. I was no longer the normal girl who was skinny. I was the girl that passed out from not eating. And when you go to a small private college, everyone knows what happened to you within five minutes. And when I say everyone, I'm really not exaggerating, guys. I mean, like, everyone in the school basically knows about you. And I say I'm not exaggerating because basically everyone in my life always thinks I'm exaggerating about everything. So I'm not exaggerating about this. So yeah, there you go. Um, the nurse talked to me and she was really nice about it. She wanted me to help me get through it all. And I did go and visit her a lot because she was really good to talk to. Um, she set me up with the counselor on campus and encouraged me to go to at least one appointment. 
Obviously, I didn't think I needed counseling because for a long time I was one to believe that it was unnecessary. Um, but I did go to counseling and then it happened. A diagnosis. Generalized anxiety disorder and major depressive disorder. Holy shit. There was a name. You mean... I don't have a heart condition, acid reflux, brain problems. There was a name. There was a reason why I felt needed to get everyone to love me. There was a reason why I needed to be skinny. There was a reason why my brain was the way that it was. And it was okay. Until it wasn't. And in the counseling room for 60 minutes, everything made sense. But then... You leave and reality hits. You try to explain to people why things bother you and why you react in certain ways and people aren't really going to change to fit your triggers. People aren't going to change their mascots or paint over sharks on the bottom of the pool just because you need to feel more comfortable. I had so much more to learn then, but I had a limited amount of time. See, during my second year of college, administration at school decided to get rid of the on-campus counseling center. In order to receive counseling, you had to go to the student services and tell them, which I say them, your peers um, in student services, what you were going through and they would determine if you could receive services paid for by the university at the local counseling center. It was stupid. It kept me from continuing to get counseling for the rest of the time that I was in college. I tried, but the one time I asked, I was shot down because my problem wasn't serious enough. So yes, I will call University of the Ozarks out for that one. It was a bad call. College is a prime time for people to discover mental illness. If it wasn't for the on-campus services my freshman year, I don't know if I would have ever figured out what my problems attributed to. There are still times now where I feel invisible. I feel like I say things time and time again just to get ignored. I can say that and people can say, no, Becca, we aren't ignoring you, but my brain will continue to not hear it. It's not that I don't want to. It's not that I'm trying to be stubborn. It's that I've always had to live on the defensive and I've had to protect myself time and time again. This past week... God, man. (sighs) This past week was a prime example of that. Um, over the past few months, I've done a superb job of putting myself first and taking my time and letting go of control. I've had my moments, but most importantly, I've been trying. On Monday, there was some restructuring at my job and that changed things dramatically for me. It had been a while since I'd had a full-blown panic attack, but that was a big one. Huge. Um, I was hyperventilating, crying. I almost passed out. I just couldn't pull myself together. I couldn't eat anything for two days. I was so sick with frustration. I finally felt like 
I had let my guard down and then bam, everything was gone all over again. So I had to remind myself of a quote written by Lin-Manuel Miranda and sung from the angel voice of his character, Aaron Burr. I am the one thing in life I can control. Until I can't. And that's okay. Because I'm human. Sometimes humans just need to be completely messed up for a chance and break down. Sometimes we need to fall to our panic and admit that we need a second to chill out. Sometimes we need to talk down the sharks. I know it might sound silly to y'all, but when you feel like you tried it all, maybe you need to try something crazy. Um, yeah, (laughs) that's it for this week's episode. I'm really glad for those of you that do listen, that you keep listening. Uh, share it. I know it's just kind of crazy town that we're just now still getting started and everything. So keep sharing it and hopefully we get more people to listen. So that way mental health actually becomes this thing that people don't get weirded out about anymore. And like, I actually kind of want to talk about it. So yeah. I'll talk to you guys next week. Bye. Congratulations. You have made it through a whole entire episode of the Becca stories without complaining about how long and drawn out my stories are. Now go on to all my forms of social media at the Becca stories and share and like all my content. Let's go ahead and make mental health less of a stigma and let's talk about all the shit that's bothering us. Sound good? Sounds good to me. Awesome. I'll see you in the next episode.